Hi, I'm here with uh, Representative Raquel Taran. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting um, me. How are you feel? You said you're kind of sick. Are you feeling a little better? <laughs> I'm feeling better. Okay, I'm cool. feeling better. Trying to recuperate for the week. Next week is getting back into the business as usual at the Capitol. Yeah. Uh, this last, actually, these last couple of weeks have been more intense because uh, we are coming at the part of the session where we have to um, discuss bills that are coming through the House and then the Senate is sending their bills, so it gets real oh. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, why did you choose to do this? That must be seem like such a, a hectic um, to be in a public office. What, what made you decide that? Yeah, well, I have been involved in Arizona politics for the last 16 years. I am... I am originally from Southern Arizona, from Douglas and Alaprieta, from the border. Mm -hmm. And I always share with people that I grew up on the street that divides the United States and Mexico. I was born okay. in Douglas, raised in Alaprieta, and my dad always uh, like made it clear for us that the fact that we that we were U.S. citizens was a great privilege, was mm -hmm. a was an opportunity, was fairness. As I grew up and realized the anti-immigrant sentiment yeah. and legislation that we had in the state of Arizona, I wanted to do something about that because, like I said, I grew up watching like a, a fence that, right. uh, that, that now is bars and now they're trying to make it into a wall. And I was agitated by that because even as I grew up, I remember the reason why people would come here, would cross to, through my hometown was to reunite with families, to look for the American dream, and it's the same reasons why people are coming now. So when I really connect the dots of the uh, that the people who are in elected office are the mm -hmm. ones who are moving legislation to separate families, I was very agitated. And it was one time that I went back home, and the Minutemen were in town. It was uh, around the year of 2004, like so three years after 9-11. And so these civilians were in, in my hometown with guns and at the border, kind of like really assaulting anybody who lived in the border, yeah. uh, questioning if they should be there or not. And I remember being so, so annoyed, so, so, so... Um, like in, in, in distress. And I turned to my friend and I'm like, why aren't you doing anything about this? Because I was not living in Douglas and Alaprieta at that time because we live in both cities all the time. Yeah. And then I realized that I wasn't doing anything about it either. So when I came back to Phoenix after that trip, I tried to look for a, a place of, of engagement and I couldn't find any organization. I really, like there was some stuff going on at ASU and I attended this forum or I went to this and I watched a lot of things happen on TV. Yeah. Like I, but not, I didn't really have a way to plug in. But I ended up getting a flyer that uh, was asking people to come to a, a church in South Phoenix and they were working on a white ribbon campaign. So it was a campaign to pray for immigration reform. Mm -hmm. So there you go. I'm okay. I'll be like I was a most loyal volunteer. Yeah. Like stapling white ribbons that were going to be distributed at at churches and praying for immigration reform. I went there for months and and you know like all of a sudden I'm like okay the prayer is good and I'm a woman of faith. I grew up with a faith oriented family. Okay. But uh, but I was like, no, it's going to be more than prayer. So I didn't know what it was. 
So it wasn't until really like 2006 when the huge marches happened all across the country because there was this bill at a federal level, the sense and burner bill that would criminalize undocumented immigrants. Everybody would be a felon if uh, this bill passed. So people really came out of the shadows. And my, uh, my experience in Phoenix was that I went there and I went to the volunteer table. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's oh, okay. Yeah, that's oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I went to a volunteer table because I didn't just want to march. And I remember like walking through like the crowds and, and it was like everybody was wearing their white shirt. People were carrying signs that said, I love you, America. Why don't you love us? Right. I remember reading the sign of a, of a dreamer. I have a uh, report card, but I don't have a green card. And, you know, like just like the, 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 the environment there was just of you could breathe the resilience. So, um, like I said, I didn't want to just march. So I went to the volunteer table. They gave me a clipboard uh-huh. with voter registration forms. Yeah. So the organization that was there was Mi Familia Vota. Okay. And uh, it, this is an organization that has worked across the country. It's a national organization that works on engaging Latinos in the decision-making process. Yeah. And... I was like, okay, I'm going to register people to vote. There's yeah. 200,000 people there. Of all like the 16 years that I've registered people to vote, that's probably the easiest day because I just had to raise my clipboard. Who wants to register to vote if you're yeah. a U.S. citizen? So I went out, registered, turned in my clipboard with like all the forms filled out. So the organization was like, oh, great, a volunteer that's committed. I not only turn in like the voter registration forms, but all like a lot of forms of, of people signing into the march. So I gave them my name, my phone number, they followed up with me. And so I learned quickly that in organizing, 90% of the organizing is in the follow-up and they followed up with me and they engaged me. And the theme of that march too was today we march, tomorrow we vote. Mm. So for me, I was like, all right, no more white ribbons. Yeah. And like, yes to marches. Yeah, well, I mean, it was not just white ribbons. I mean, yes to prayer, yes to marching, protesting. But at the end of the day, the most important thing that I, where I can have an impact is by ensuring that our communities are part of the, of the decision-making process. Right. So I took that theme of that march to heart, and today we march to Vote, and then I was connected to, to Mi Familia Vota, and then just to the progressive movement, because at the end of the day, you know, the same people that were um, moving that anti-immigrant sentiment are the ones who are getting our education system yeah. and chipping away our health care and women reproductive rights and denial of climate change, you name it. Yeah. It's the same group of people. Yeah. So fast forward, I mean, I like knocking on doors and been in different parts of, 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 of movements that are changing the state of Arizona. And now, you know, after knocking on doors, it was like time for, I, I mean, I don't see it just for me as, as a movement to take the organizing to the next level. And I say now, like we were, like we were outside the state capitol in many different ways with a megaphone. And now uh, I get to be in the state capitol with a microphone that represents like many of the communities I've been a part of. Yeah, I love that. It's, <laughs> was there anything that surprised you as far as, as coming up and starting to learn the system? Because I'm, I'm sure it's so disheartening to see. Oh, yeah people pulling these strings and affecting communities. Was there anything that really caught you off guard as far as when you started learning how things were? My first campaign was really difficult. The first, the 2000, so the, I marched in 2006, get connected, and the first campaign that I was like 
deeply involved in and phone banking every day and canvassing and just like yeah. trying to make the change through the civic engagement world was um, the an increase of the minimum wage. So I've been through two campaigns to increase yeah. the minimum wage here in the state of Arizona. And then the other part of that campaign was Proposition 300. And as you remember, Proposition 300 of 2006 was a proposition to uh, increase the, minute, the, the the tuition for dreamers. And uh, it yeah. was like the out-of-state tuition bill. And it was horrible. That night, um, we won minimum wage, increased the minimum wage, but that proposition also passed. So people that were really close to me, all of a sudden, like they were going to school, they, they couldn't go to school yeah. because they had to pay through the, the tuition. So... Somebody told me, like, so I'm bawling that night, like, I'm not understanding, like, hey, we worked so hard, and, like, we just saw the result with one proposition. We didn't see the whole result with uh, with the other proposition, but then uh, a mentor of mine of that campaign came to me and was like, you know what, it's going to take us a long time for us to really change the state of Arizona. This yeah. is a long-term it's a long-term game, a long-time game, and 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 if you if you buckle up because this is going to take about 15 to 20 years to really change the state. Right. And I'm like crying just thinking oh, about like no. no 15 to 20 years no we need to do it now. Right. But um but you know uh, I've learned uh, that you, we need like yes I've learned to be patient I learned that the that the way that building real political power real structure takes time so that's not like on the on the actual participation piece of it yeah. but then looking at the legislative piece there's so many frustrations from even like the the way things work the special interests the grooming that happens yeah. to elected officials the uh the the i tell people you know i i'm how do you feel about your first session i'm like i'm still excited my excitement is through the roof but my indignation is also through the roof. I mean, I'm yeah. still indignated because to see people so disconnected of what of of how policies uh, that we pass through the state legislature actually right. impact people's lives. For instance, last uh, session when uh, uh, we debated decreasing the minimum wage to students who are going to school full time, 22 years of age or, or younger. Why? So, um, because, well, since we increased the minimum wage in 2006, like, it's harder for businesses to get workers and yeah. the, that the students want to have the opportunity to, to work and, and businesses really can't afford to get work. So let's decrease their salary. The, the, let's decrease the minimum wage. And my argument on the floor is, like, y'all, you know, to the, to the sponsor of the bill and to the people who are advocating from the bill, it's like, you're so disconnected. You don't understand that for... It's not like my the, the people in, in my district, the, like the students that work that fall into that criteria, they are they're providing for their household. They're part like they are helping sustain. Like they're 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 making ends meet. They're contributing to the the, the whole household, right? So I, right. I, I it's not just uh, it was not just of like oh I'm working to try to get a better car or yeah. no these are students who are, are trying to survive with the for their basic needs and the basic needs of their families right so yeah so like things like that just really uh it's it's really indignating and then it's also it's also um you know frustrating because 
because we have seen the change of Arizona. And then Arizona, Arizona has sent a mandate. The voters have mandated that we go back and work on things that people want to see resolved, like fully funding education. They don't want to see divisive legislation like SB yeah. 1070. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it still it still blows my mind. And I had. Um, Representative Isela Blanc on, yeah. and we talked a little bit about this stuff. And then, I I can't imagine what you all go through trying to argue for actually helping people in the community. And then there's these people with with I feel like are absurd reasons just to to try to stifle them and try to yeah. mess with their rights. And I mean, you talked a little bit about it uh, coming up, but. Was that there when you were a kid? What kind of yeah. kid were you in school? Yeah, yeah thanks. No, like, no, like this moment, I never imagined myself being an elected official. I always, like I grew up in a family, like I mentioned earlier, that was very faith-oriented. Uh, the community service that I have, I do feel I got it from my mom, from my dad, from my grandmother. Both my grandmothers were active, yeah. but not in the, in the political aspect. There was... Like my, my, not my grandfather, but his brothers and, and a lot of, 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 of the family from my father's side, they were involved in politics, but not okay. my direct family. So um, just being here is something surreal for me. It was really the next step after like the organizing. However, like just I've always seen the disparities in our communities and, and growing up, I just like how just how we see them here in the United States that disparities are evident from yeah. central, you know, central to the West Valleys, uh -huh. from Van Buren to the South Side. Yeah. Things like schools look different, streets look different. And mm -hmm. growing up, I remember like that. I remember the clear inequity of of, of my hometown, and uh, that was why. Like why why can I? Why do I have? Me, even sometimes more privileged than others, or why do others have more privilege than me? I've always had that curiosity and that agitation to do something for for equity. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm. I'm can you speak on a little bit if if you have any uh, any pushback um, being being a woman, especially when you're you're trying to push back against this? Um, I feel like. A stereotype that women should go sit down and women should not be doing this stuff uh, and stepping up in that community as far as being a woman a woman of color did you get any pushback on that I think like you always get pushback uh, and and one of the things right that I used to tell that we I used to say in the campaign um, because this is the second time I I ran in 2012 and I ran that that 2012 race I was a younger organizer more inexperienced just running like it was the same mission to take the organizing to the next level. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, I was like, the, there was less experience, and mm. and uh, but uh, when since I started organizing, there's been a lot of recognition of like the work of like congratulations, going out and registering people to vote at 150 degree weather. But then when the when and because people are always romanticizing on engaging these the, the the Latino community and like thinking, oh wow, if we can only get the Latino community out to register to vote. And I say that because I was part of those organizations that were that are doing that work. But when it came time for me to run for office, uh, it was like, oh, 
I'm happy that you're registering people to vote, but I don't know if you're yet if you're ready to oh. be in that in that office yet. So we don't need like I heard things like we don't need more activist we don't need activists in the state like legislature. We um you know I, yeah so so um you know, there's there's always like when you're running for office I won't lie it's always like there's always the the self doubt you uh-huh. know it's it's hard because you're putting yourself out there. You are, you are, uh, you are questioned, like, especially for women, you know, women, uh, there's studies that show that women are asked to run five times before they, before they decide to run. So for women of color, it's supposed to be even higher. Right. Right. So, um, so that that's white women five five so women white women are used are usually asked five times women of color it's even seven to nine times oh my God. so um so men and even men of color they they wake up one day and say i'm running for office like uh-huh. seriously i've seen it i've like in the last 16 years it's like uh one day they say they're ready for us women we think about tw- we think about it 12 because Yes, the expectation is for us to be the ones who are preparing the clipboards, who are getting uh-huh. the volunteers ready, who are driving people, who are getting, uh, who are who are doing the logistics, yeah. and it's and, and and at the end of the day, it's just like we we just have to say we have to own the space. Right. Yeah. What are some of the platforms you either ran on or stand for? still now like what what are some of the issues that are very very yeah your heart so immigration was a really important issue and the issue what i started organizing but you know at the end of the day the the district that i represent is legislative district 30 which is central west phoenix a lot of phoenix and a little bit of glendale Mm. and the the median income in that district is twenty nine thousand dollars. So that's the even though like the other districts that are surrounding, they're not like high more more. Their their median income is not much more than mine. By mine is the lowest, uh-huh. and uh, so the inequity, uh, the the economic equity and the racial inequity that exists in the district is is just. It's, it's astonishing and uh, so everything that I do I do it with a lens or, or my platform is to try to do everything with a lens of economic equity and, and racial equity so for us to cut that cycle of poverty we need to have the 29 we need to have fully funded education Yeah. we need to have good paying jobs and it's not just like people working at a minute two or three jobs at a minimum wage we need people who have a good salary with benefits that if you get sick if you're if you lost if if you lost your baby or i don't know something happens in your family that you also have that benefit because people don't make that connection so it's those two things i think one, the, the making sure that we started to cut that cycle of poverty through education, but the generations that were affected by already 40 years of just gutting and gutting the education system need to need to have those better paying jobs. Right. So those are like two things that I think about. And of course, like we are 
I, I have a I, I have in the room if people are listening in case you're listening whatever's in the what's in the background I have my own kid you know yeah, I yeah. and I he's four years old he's he's in pre-k right now we are gonna make the decision of where he's gonna go to school the next year and I want to make sure that he goes to the best school and I want to make sure that every kid in the district or in the state of Arizona has the best opportunity to live their best life yeah. that's what we want everybody to live their best life so um, so I think those two issues, but then, I mean, I also think about when I see him, I'm like, where is he going to live? Like where, like the environment that we live in, like it's burning hot. Yeah. The zip codes with the highest asthma, um, rate is in district legislative district 30. So, oh. you know, everything is like the, 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 uh, environmental justice is very important, uh, to our communities. We sometimes don't talk about it as much, but it is very important because at the end of the day is our daily living, right? Right. So, yeah. I've seen a, a couple, I think one or two videos on, on Instagram uh, of you speaking, and you have this great presence about you, and, and it's even apparent now, right, sitting here talking with you. Did you always have that that voice, that, um, I don't want to say persona, because I feel like that's put on, but I, I feel like there's something that has to, to be awakened. When did that happened for you because is that the passion is definitely there right in your story but now you have to get up in front of people and talk when did did that come naturally for you did you have to find your voice a little bit um i think that uh, i was i and i people don't believe me but when i was growing up i was very shy and i think i even struggled to the shy, with my shyness right now but because i am very passionate i get to uh, i get to overcome that <laughs> that yeah, shyness yeah. Uh, but I like remember in eighth grade, like there was a moment where I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna speak up. And I found really my boys, uh, my leadership boys, I would say in, in church because, okay. and the, yeah, in church, I was part of a, of a group uh, of a youth group. I was a leader in that, uh, youth group and I was moved by my faith and yeah. trying to make the world a better place through through the church yeah so i think like that's where it all started and like i said my my parents um even though they were um they, they were more people who are behind the scenes they were very uh at the same time just like willing to take action and i okay. and that for me it was a very uh, that was a, a really good example and and i am very grateful for that What's something that you take from your parents in them raising you that you hope to to pass on with to the little guy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I I want I want them to see like that like we are we need to make sure that we serve others. Okay. You know we need like it's not not just serve others but have solidarity. I think that mm. the, it's not like the 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 it's not just. Uh, giving the a hand a hand a hand me down you know it's a really how do we inculcate in our communities having solidarity that's the most important virtue i think that my parents instilled in me and i want him to have that and i don't know like if you like it's just by by example it's so hard yeah, to yeah. teach it yeah, yeah. I, I find that with even with my son now, and and I'm a, I'm a pre-K teacher, oh, so my, my kids wow. are four and five. Yeah, uh, and just the idea of just kindness or treating each other yes. equally or sharing because we don't make them share. We we want them to figure out they yeah. might want to share, yeah. 
But then it's okay if someone doesn't want to share with you. Don't take it personally. And it, it's such a tricky thing. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of concepts. And um, and then how intentional you have to be, like, on what what books you want to read yes. to them, right? Like, we... Yeah. So, his, his, he's already, I feel, in an advantage that I... that. He has more advantage of growing up in a place that's more diverse. And mine was like, everybody, we were all Mexican. Uh-huh. You know, we were like, we, as a matter of fact, we went to school in Douglas, but we were all Mexican-American. So uh-huh. we all looked the same. And uh, he was like, now he has a, a diverse classroom. And it's like looking at like everybody is like he that he is living in a world where he sees equality in a different way is already an advantage yeah oh that's great I think yeah and I'd like to think that even media like TV shows and movies are getting a little bit better as far as having people of color different cultures represented as far as well let's say superheroes right for the younger kids Uh, and I yeah I think that's that's really important to, to try to keep in mind too yeah are there any Bills or, or movement happening that uh, I guess we should be on the lookout or people should know about. Yeah. There is that one that uh, about the sanctuary cities, but that yeah, no, was... you know, um, which is so interesting because um, part of, part of my personal journey and part of our movement's personal journey. I mean movement's journey is uh, the SB ten seventy yeah uh, pivotal moment where. You know, SB 1070, we've had years and years of anti-immigrant legislation, anti-immigrant Please. sentiment, but SB 1070 uh, really was a catalyst for many people to organize. And uh, today is like this year I is the 10-year anniversary of well, SB 1070. So we started the year with like, oh, how are we going to, how are we going to commemorate the resilience of our community over the last 10 years. Yeah. And for the last nine years, we haven't seen legislation. We haven't seen legislation that was as as strong as SB 1070. So yeah. when this governor, this the when the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, gave his state of the state address, mm. he uh, including in his state of the state a ban a, a referral to ban sanctuary cities. And it was really an intent to bring back that uh, era of SB 1070. We called it uh, SB 1070 2.0 because at the end of the day, it was enshrining part of SB 1070 into the Constitution. And it also uh, it was also an intent to bring back the divisiveness yeah. that anti-immigrant legislation brings. So it's it, it, so we knew we, we, we knew that we were not in the same space that we were ten years ago. We were more organized. We have more allies. Mm. We're just like stronger. There was real reaction from the state of Arizona after after SB 1070 after SB 1070 got signed so um, even the business community knew that bringing back this type of legislation was really a really bad idea because Arizona Arizona's uh, reputation would get tarnished again and it's taken us 10 years to recuperate from we were uh, in 2010 to to now and not only like in our in clean our name or but also uh, like in the economy the good news was that we knew how to organize we knew how to build a coalition five days five days after the governor gave his state of the state address we gathered okay business faith 
uh, community organizations, nonprofits, and everybody, okay, how are we going to take action? How are we going to yeah. strategize to stop this? And the governor uh, felt the heat. The, the Republicans understood that uh, they, we, can't, we can't go in that direction. Yeah. Again, that the mandate that people are sending as oh, Arizonans, just like the electorate in general, yeah. is that we don't want that, we don't want those, those bad legislation. So we stopped that, but there is also, there is also a bill that is basically making it for people that have to enforce this by 1070 to be, to making it more, giving more enforcement to people that have to enforce SB 1070. Yeah. So, so that is, is still in life support per se. Okay. And then. There's also like legislation that is not directly anti-immigrant, but we have anti-LGBTQ legislation. There's yeah. a legislation for little girls to or or or, or uh, girls that want to play in sport having to prove their gender. So yeah. it's an anti-trans girl legis- uh, legislation. So that's uh, something that's coming down the pipeline. Hopefully, we're gonna stop it because. Know the, the intention, I think, of the Republicans trying to bring legislation that affects, like, either women's choice, anti LGBTQ, anti immigrant, of course, anti, like, gutting education is to try to divide all these groups that have built a coalition that have changed the state of Arizona. So if they attack in different ways, I think that what they're underestimating is that we're stronger as a coalition as yeah, well. Yeah, that must get so irritating to, to, to fight that kind of ignorance. How do you keep that want to fight? How do you, how do you stay in it mentally and emotionally? I think that the, the reason why a person stays in it is because I, I, I'm very fortunate and I reiterated throughout this conversation, I'm part of a movement, I'm part of not being able, not going in there, like I did not make the decision by myself of running for office. Okay. I've been part of the organizations that, I, that are, are building the state of Arizona, so uh, I know I'm not alone. I, I've been endorsed by, by an organization called Lucha, Living United for Change, yeah. part of their board. And when they endorsed me, one of the things that they asked was like, let's call govern. Mm-hmm. And the fact that uh, that I can call or, or that I as I'm moving I, as I move forward in the legislative process, there are organizations, there are mentors. It's and 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 also staying in touch with the people that you represent, right? The, yeah. That were being out in the community, even using our social media platforms helps to to stay grounded when things that are as uh, controversial as the bills that we're seeing, either the. <laughs> Um, anti-LGBTQ bills or the anti-immigrant bills or the gunning of the education system, environmental justice, whatnot, yeah. uh, all these all these bills, people, when you put it out in social media, you get the reaction and people share their stories. And yeah. that's what, at the end of the day, gets, keeps you grounded. Yeah, I really love that. Because yeah. you're, you're reminding that it's not just you, the individual. And I, I love how you put it, that it, it wasn't just your decision to, mm-hmm. for where you are now. Um, I usually end with some a little more random questions than, than <laughs> okay. what we're doing. What is your favorite drink? It could be alcohol. <laughs> it could be either what way. What is <laughs> my favorite drink? Wow. Yeah. I, I, 
You know, I, I drink a lot of Diet Coke. I love Diet Coke. Yeah, okay. That's perfect. <laughs> I love Diet Coke. And, you know, let me tell you something. The uh, One of the, the highlights is that we have a... A soda machine at the on the second floor oh, outside really? of the of the, the where we do the all the debating and voting. There's a soda machine, so it was a highlight for me. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yes. With crushed ice. Yeah. Uh, what risks are worth taking? Just if you believe in something, just don't ask for permission. Just do it. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's like that's. I mean, what if you, just when you believe in something and. Taking action on that is is it's worth the risk. It's like when you're at home and not and then then you're lying in bed and I should have done this. I should have should have done that. And I've gone through the moments where I didn't take the risk and then there's the regret. Yeah. I prefer to have like oh gosh I could have done it better. Yeah. Than not doing it at all. Yeah. You know. Would you rather lose the uh, ability to speak or the ability to read? Oh my goodness! Wow. Well, I guess to read, yes, yeah. yeah. And where do you get your self-worth? Reflecting on, that's a good question. I think it's like reflecting on, on that, that we're here for, for a purpose. And every, every like, you know, sometimes the self-doubt gets the best of you, but then mm-hmm. something happens and, and, and like being at the state legislature, how is it put like and I this is a direct example like oh my gosh I, I'm here sitting down what is my role and then we had it the 2020 SB 1070 and I had to be in the forefront leading from the inside and it's just reflecting that where like oh, when you're when you're owning your role that's your space and if you give a hundred percent that's that's at the end of the day what you need to be doing yeah I don't know if that made sense I mean, it might be it and, might have been redundant but just like Owning your role, I think, is a, a very important piece. Yeah. Would you rather travel the world for a year on a budget or stay in only one country and have as much money as Oh, totally spend? stay in, the, in one country. Stay in the one. Yeah. Where would yeah. you go? Where would I go? Um, you know what? I Believe it or not, I would go to the neighboring country of Mexico. I would yeah. love just to, like, travel throughout Mexico. I've only traveled through to two two or through like how many states maybe like four states but i would love to travel mexico the whole country yeah. that would be i prefer i would prefer to do the whole the whole um country of mexico and traveling the whole world oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um and last one it's what shows are you into right now oh my gosh all right so there's this show called monarca uh-huh. it's on netflix and uh i loved it because um it's reflective of of corruption that exists right now. It's in Mexico, but it's any country because we're seeing corruption everywhere. Mm. But it's 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 the main character, the main person is uh, her father dies, and he had an epiphany of you know what I don't want to live a corrupt I don't want to live a corrupt life, and I don't want to have a corrupt. Um, company I need you to come and 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 do it the right way and it's just like it's it's very it has some violence but at the same time it's like you know what there's like if it has to the the stopping corruption is everywhere so from the businesses that have to have to have 
like many people have to deal with corruption and that's the way they move upon it to the politics to just like every it's everywhere so yeah. we just need people to start to start saying like no we're gonna not have any more corruption right that's awesome thank you so much <laughs> that was that was thank it. you michael thank you for so the much invitation for and thank yeah. you for your patience with ej oh no worries still here no worries <laughs> So everything that I do, I do it with a lens, or, or my platform is to try to do everything with a lens of economic equity and, and racial equity. Mm -hmm.